0: Good morning, MVCC. We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're in here today, we wanna to get connected with you. So go ahead and text connect to the number on your screen. Here at MVCC, there are so many ways to get involved in serving. So go ahead and text serve the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time.
1: a grace when the heart is on the fire. When the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where it used to be in this memory, say I know I will never be. Standing next to me, there's another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever be reminded of how I've been saved? There's a cross that bears my bird where another died. No no other name in the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. come one man in the space between all the things and seen in this reckoning. For I know I will never be.
0: No, I do know, I
1: Standing next to me there's another in the waters Holding
0: back the sea Should I ever be mine
1: Well, I've been setting There's a cross that bears my birth Where another
0: died for me As we finish our music portion of our service this morning, our worship doesn't have to stop, We want to continue with worship by giving. and try to make that as easy as possible for you, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website. We are ready to hear what Pastor Mike has to say through his word this morning, so let's jump on in.
2: Welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. Hey, I am excited about the series that we're in, In God's Word, on Valentine's Day weekend, which I'm sure we're all aware of that. And really, um, God's word to us, when I think about it, is really God's love letters to us, that he wants us to understand and know that He wants personal relationship with every single person on earth. And not only that, but it gets even better that one day when we pass away, we have the opportunity, if we put our faith in Christ, to be in heaven, the assurance of knowing that we're going to be in heaven because Jesus Christ came to earth, He died on a cross, He rose again, and He settled the fact that we are loved by God, we are children of God, and He saved our soul. That's exciting stuff. And so um, this particular... Letter First Thessalonians. I've entitled this series "Ready or Not." The reason that I've entitled it "Ready or Not" is I want you, wherever you're listening to this or watching this, I don't know where you are with God, but I want you to be ready for the second coming of Christ. Um, for those of us maybe that have already fo- this made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to be encouraged to keep following Him. So there are certain markers that are distinguishing about what it really means have evidence that we are followers of Christ in a world that is just constantly in turmoil and lack of hope. When I think about the writer, the author, who wrote this book, probably about 51 AD, um, he was on a track to please God, man. All he wanted to do, his name was Paul, all he wanted to do was to advance the kingdom of God. He wanted to advance the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. And so God sent him to a city called Thessalonica, which we'll find ourselves here in just a moment. But when I think about Paul's life, I think about the fact that his goal was to be on point with God to save the world. There was a show, a TV show years ago. Uh, my family and I and some friends, we used to gather every Sunday night to watch this show. It was called, it was a really popular show called The Walking Dead. The reason I like the show too, so much is, is, it, is it was a setting where the entire world was covered, it was the apocalypse covered by a pandemic. And there was really no way to survive the disease that had taken everybody. And it was really a show about what would you do in this particular situation. I I like the show for a couple of reasons. The characters are really good, and it really brought to light, what would you really do in a situation if the world were coming to an end? Well, there's one particular character in this, his name is Abraham. And he has a group of people, and there's another character named Rick, and they bring their groups together, and for uh, what seems like days, they have this, this mission to get to Washington, D.C. Well, there seems to be a little bit of division. There's some conflict and things going on, some distractions. And, and, and you can tell that Abraham is getting really restless. And he reminds Rick, he says, Rick, we are on a mission to save the world. And in that moment, when you see his face, he is so intent. He is so focused. You can just tell there is no one that's ever going to change his mind that he believes that the guy he has with him has a cure for the pandemic, for the disease. I, I just want to take that snapshot for a moment because I believe Paul's intensity was to get as many people as he could on board with God's mission, which is to save the world. That right there is the purpose that Paul had on his heart to write this letter. He wants to connect with the people that he only was there for three weeks in the city of Thessalonica Christianity was spreading like a wildfire. People were following Jesus by the thousands. There were approximately 200,000 people in population in that city. So Christianity was starting to spread. People are following Christ. And and, and Paul, who was certainly in prison in the city, he was driven out of there three weeks in Acts chapter 17. And only after three weeks, they started a riot. They started false accusations against Paul. He was beaten. I mean, he and his companions were literally driven out of the city. I think that's why they were only there for three weeks. But the amazing thing to me is that Christianity was spreading quickly when he was only there for three weeks. There are certain markers in Paul's life that he did not want the Thessalonian people here, the people now that were following God, were starting to hear things. that You know, the apostle Paul really wasn't an apostle. He really didn't come to you with a pure heart. He really had false motives. He just wanted your money. He just came because he wanted to have another notch in his belt that he got another city for the gospel of Jesus. And so there were these murmurings and some of these uh, confusing, kind of conflicting stories that were thrown around in the church. And so Paul writes this particular second chapter. We're going to read verses 1 to 12 because he wants to reconnect with them and remind them, Hey, remember, we came to you out of love, out of a pure heart. We came to you not with flowery words, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, man. It's it's not some speech we gave you. You saw our lives, man. Our lives were changed. And so he's reminding them of um, these markers that were in his life, and he wants them to have because we, if you're listening to this or watching this, we've got to be laser beam focused and remind ourselves, this life, we are on mission, on God's mission to save the world. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, these markers are there so that we can be an, we can hopefully be an example to those who are just lost or disconnected from God. So let's read this text, and we'll get right into it. Paul writes, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of, of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And we are not trying to please people but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from people, Not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, the good news about Christ, but our lives as well. And surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden, to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you you are witnesses and so is God of how holy righteous and blameless we were among you who believed for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom of glory man that's just packed full of stuff Basic thing that's going on here, kind of a thirty thousand foot view of this, real quick, is that once again he is asserting the fact that look, our motives were right. We didn't ask for money. We didn't ask for fame. We didn't ask for anything. In fact, he even says here we worked other jobs so we could support ourselves financially because we didn't want to be a burden to you. You saw our lives. You saw our witness. You knew our heart. And so let's get reacquainted. It was all about the gospel so that you could be saved and that you could know God. So why is this so important? Why are we doing this for the next few minutes? Why are we going through this text? This absolutely is vital because if we're following Jesus Christ, we want to be on mission. We are on a mission to save the world. So the question is then, how do we do that? I think right now in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of the fact that, you know, churches for the most part, the way it was, churches, houses of worship are really shut down from the way it was we can still you know meet indoors now just recently but I really flip all this instead of get discouraged about this and whining complain about it we have to improvise overcome and adapt so we had services outside we have them online we got to quick hurry up and make this decision and make these changes why because we want the gospel to get to every single person it is that important and so I look at that situation there where they had persecution there was all kinds of problems. They were driven out of their uh, very towns, and some of them driven out of their homes. Some of them lost uh, their comfort zone. And, and Paul is urging them on, look, man, it's all to advance the gospel. And so in the same way, we really could flip the script and say, oh, man, it's a bummer. We can't meet to worship in the same way that we used to. Or could it be that God is allowing this to happen? I'm not saying that He caused a pandemic, But is he allowing this to happen? And in this situation that God can always cause good out of something that's bad, is he preparing his church to not get so comfortable just to come to a service, kick back, watch a service, grade the sermon, throw a few bucks in the offering plate, sing a few songs, watch the music, make sure the lights are good, and then we go home. But now we are forced to live our faith in a place where people have lost their hope. So what are the markers here There are markers here that I want to go through that Paul lived. I think that's why his message was so powerful, because he lived it out with the people. And what are the markers for us? Well, number one is this. I see in Paul, and I see him teaching us right now. The Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to advance the gospel. And the number one marker is sincerity. It's sincerity. People know within moments when we come in their presence, whether we are sincere or not. And then sincerity means that we give love and truth to people. That we always would will, will be willing to share the truth, but we always want to do that in love. That's why we're so big here at MVCC on the vision that God gave us to be real love on mission. That means being real with people, um, love them where they at, where they are, and then simply be willing to help anybody who wants to to get to the cross of Jesus Christ for salvation. And I just believe now more than ever, it is time for us who claim that we're Christians, to have integrity, to have character, to be honest. And I think it's really, really important that the sincerity of our heart comes through everything that we do. I want to encourage you right now. Everything you are doing is helping to advance the gospel for Jesus Christ, and we should do it with a sincere heart. That's that's the marker, number one. Man, I want to be a part of a church. If you're looking for a church, maybe you're out of state, and man, I need to get back into a church. You want to find a group of people. You want to find a leader who's sincere about people and about God. Number two is this, not a people pleaser. That's what he says in verse four. He says, man, Paul says, man, we didn't come pleasing people. If we would have came to please people, we certainly would not have given you the message that there's only one way to heaven, man. We would have come to you giving nice flowery message, making people feel good. And that's not what Paul did. Paul came with the good news And to know the good news, first got to know the bad news. And the bad news is, we're all sinners. We've all blown it. We've all made horrible mistakes. We've done things we shouldn't have done. And thank God, the good news story is that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross. He did that because He loves every single one of us. And He came giving that truth to the people in Thessalonica. And certainly today, when you think about where God's placed you at your workplace, maybe family, neighborhood, wherever you are, school. God, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, he has not called you to be a people pleaser. Stop trying to please people. God wants us to have a desire to please him. And that means we've got to have courage, courage to stand up when people reject us. When people reject the message, when people don't want to hang out with us anymore, maybe because we are Christ followers or we're living a certain way and it really kind of it, it disrupts their lifestyle or whatever they're doing. And we got to be willing to have courage and boldness. You know, I, I remember hearing a lady say one time who literally was in the church services that Dr. Martin Luther King back in the 60s. She was in the church services um, that he was preaching at. And I remember this, it wasn't so much what she said, it was just how she said it, that there was, in that time, there was so much discrimination and so much racial tension in our nation. And and it was really the the African-American community, as they talked about, afraid to go out into the streets after church services because of the things that were happening, just horrible things. And I remember she said, when we listened to Dr. Martin Luther King, he took the fear out of us. I I, I never will forget that, the way she said it. And I think in the same way, the Holy Spirit in us, if we are Christ followers, can take the fear out of us to be sincere and to be God-pleasers and not man-pleasers. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you are a Christ follower, you give the gospel to somebody, there's nothing greater than sharing your faith story with someone. There's nothing greater than helping someone say, you know what, I'd love to share with you what has changed my life so radically, and and then asking them the question, would you like to give your life to Christ? And when they say yes, and you say, hey, let can I pray for you? And you pray, and they accept Christ at that moment, man, there is nothing better than that, and that takes, I believe, a person who's willing to stand alone, to be courageous, and not a people pleaser. You know, in 1887, I, I heard this story about a man named Philip Brooks. He was a teacher of preachers, young man would come from all areas of the community to hear how he taught young men how to preach the Word of God. He was kind of an old school guy, and there was these things called, these gatherings called the Yale Lectures, and here's what he said. Courage is the indispensable prerequisite request of any true ministry. If you are afraid of people and their differing opinions, then go and do something else. Do not keep preaching sermons, that will not say what God sent you to declare. I like that. That's tough stuff, but I like that. You know, be courageous, be truthful, and of course, everything in love, because we believe that God's in the truth. He is the truth. Okay, number three, what's the the third marker of of us being on mission to save the world with God? Number uh, three is this, make willing decisions that please God willing to make a decision that will please God. And that means sometimes I got to stand alone. I have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. It might be financial. It might be relationship. It might be um, work-related. It might be something going on at school or, or, or family related or something. You've got a decision to make. You pray, you hear God, you see what he says in the word, and then you make your decision and you stand on that decision. That's what God, I believe, is looking for. And I think the question that we ought to ask ourselves if we're Christ followers is, what would Jesus do in this very moment? What would he do in this decision process? And when we do miss it and we do make mistakes, we come to God and say, oh God, oh God, forgive me. Help me to make a decision that's better for you next time. That's why I'm so in love with God because he gives grace. Not once, not twice, not three times, but, you know, when Peter came to Jesus, and how many times should I forgive my brother? And Jesus said 70 times seven. He was giving him an analogy that, look, you can't outrun the credit line of God on forgiveness. I love that, which leads to marker number four. If we are a Christ follower and we are on mission with God to save the world, and we've got to be willing to endure persecution. I've got to be willing to take the licks. I've got to be willing to take the hits. I've got to be willing sometimes to be driven out by somebody who disagrees, who has a different opinion and doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. I mean, you could, you could fill in the blank, but I just believe God is looking for the kind of believer, and maybe that's why we've been stripped away of all of the normal stuff that we kind of put our comfort zone in as Christ followers. I mean, we're having to meet in parks, having to meet out in parking lots, you know, outdoors, trying to figure out how we're going to stay connected. It is a challenge. And I, I, can't, I really see this, that God is preparing us. You got to believe this, that God is preparing us for even times that may get worse in the future before Christ's return. I don't know what challenges you are facing right now, but I just believe that, it's really, really important, and that's why I believe God put in the scriptures here people that we can learn from it. We can learn from their examples like the Apostle Paul. So examples for us help set us in motion to do the very, very thing that Jesus is calling us to do, and really what he's calling us to do is to cooperate. Life is filled with challenges. Um, I don't know if you heard just, I, I heard this a few nights ago, that There was a young man, I'm not even sure where it was in our country, that thought he had lost over $700,000 in the stock market and he took his own life. I mean, how tragic it was when I read that story. And then to see that there was a notice that came the day after he took his life, his parents received the letter that he didn't lose that money. It's, It's not about the money, it's the fact that somewhere along the line, he bought into a lie that unless you have enough money, you don't have enough hope. There are people all around us that are losing hope and literally dying. And God has given us the opportunity to bring people to salvation and bring people to life. So, so I just believe this fourth marker is so important that we got to be willing to be persecuted. A, a lot of us know a name by the name of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel Movement back in the 1970s. As the founder of Capri, Cap, uh, Calvary Chapel's he would often, I, 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 I read this in one of the biographies, oftentimes there were young men that would come to him and say, I want to be a Calvary Chapel pastor. And, and this is what Pastor Chuck would do. He said, if I could discourage them now, I know, if I could discourage them now into making that decision, that it would be better for them to quit now than to get into a church not being able to handle the opposition. I just think there's something about that tough love. There's something about, you know, dig in and follow God, even though there's an opposition against you. There's the devil himself, friends that you thought were your friends, you know, getting ditched at the workplace, losing that promotion. I mean, we've all experienced something in the name of Christ, but it's all good. We count it all joy, as you know, Paul says, for the name of Jesus, which leads us to the last marker, that if we're going to be on mission to save the world with God, we got to be willing to live and have compassion and love for people. Really, it all comes down to humbling ourselves. Loving somebody will cost you, but the payoff you and I get is seeing that person come to Christ and seeing the rewards that God one day will have for us. I just share with this, share with you this in, in closing. My son uh, Michael. Um, Invited me to play pickleball one night. I don't know if you've seen this game pickleball. It's a crazy game, dude You play with these paddles you play with the small wiffle ball you get out there on this really tiny court Well, I you know I grew up with tennis. I love tennis That's like my number one sport to play so I'm walking out there with my son You know he's he's 25 years old and um, we're walking out there must have been 30 people playing on like six different courts Everybody's there and in my mind. I'm like I got this no problem. I play tennis all the time man I know this is how easy how easy this game is So we get on the court. Michael and I are playing against two other guys. Can I just tell you, we got creamed on the first game. And it wasn't because my son. It was because of me. And so um, after we got creamed again a second time by a second team, I am now, like, not happy that I'm playing this game. In fact, I'm ready to just, Michael, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to quit because I love to win. So I'm not saying all this, but I'm thinking about this internally. And Michael gets me off to the side after the second game, and he says, Dad, Dad, Dad. You can't play this game the way you're playing tennis. You can't power the ball. You can't hit it hard. It's a game of finesse. It's a game of you know dinking the ball over and the strategy. And you hit the ball soft, and you place it over here. So let me go over here and teach you. So, And I'm like, teach me? Dude, I taught you how to play tennis. You're going to teach me? This is, this is why I bring this up. I had to make a decision right there. Am I going to choose to humble myself in that moment and learn so my son taught me, he said, dad, this is how you do it. And we played the fourth and fifth and sixth matches. Can I just tell you, we won the last three matches of the game and we played great together. It's mostly because of my son. But I, I bring that up to say this, in order to love somebody that's unlovable, in order to have compassion on somebody who doesn't deserve it, it, it cost us something. It cost me and you oh, humility inside of us to do what Christ calls us to do. So I want to encourage you. The the five markers of being on mission with God are sincerity, not a people pleaser, decisions that God would make, enduring persecution, be willing to do it, and then having compassion and love for people. Here's in closing what what Philip Brooks said to these students in his prayer. Lord, send to thy church those who are filled with the Holy Ghost. These will make your church mighty, Keep back such people with little fire and little grace, or the church will retreat. This would be my prayer for us at MVCC. Lord, send us hurting and dying people, people who are lost and looking for something to live for, people who are looking for a church and may not know they're really looking for life. And when they receive you, fill them, God, with the power of your Holy Spirit so strong that they will change this world one life at a time. Help your people to walk in your ways, never compromising truth, walking in love, and willing to suffer for the gospel. And listen, if if you're far away from God, you can accept Jesus Christ into your life right now. He loves you, he died for you, he rose again. And it's just simply surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ. You can check it out on our website. We'd love to help you in your first steps. We're here every Sunday morning at ten AM. We'd love to have you if you're in the area. And we'll just see We'll see you next week as we tackle chapter two in the series called Ready or Not. God bless.